Wir gehen es Ihnen und was ist los? It's deinen Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Listen. Hello and welcome to NVC IGN's Nintendo podcast for the week of June 4th. Today we'll be talking about Pokemon for the first time in a while, so please be okay with that. Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> Definitive Edition and a whole lot more. Joining, joining me today is fellow Pokemon aficionado Odell Harmon Jr. Hello. Hey everybody, first time on NVC. How's everyone doing today? Thank you yeah, for dog. joining us. So Odell has previously awesome. freelanced for IGN, and we also met at E3, and he also produces his own gaming and anime podcast. Could you tell our audience a little bit more about you, Odell? Uh, yeah, so my professional gaming career started in 2012 when I interned at Game Informer magazine, met some great people there. And after that, after, you know, I was cast out and had to go back to real life, I got a big boy job and started making money. And I used that to finance trips to E3, PAX, TGS, Gamescom, and just all around the world, covering games, uh, talking to people, and just building up my skill set, and, you know, just getting better. And so, if you know anything about games, you probably see me around. I write news for GameSpot now. I freelance for, like, a dozen other indie sites, and that's just what I do. Sometimes I consider myself, like, an industry groupie. Like, I'm always lurking somewhere. <laughs> and right also on. joining us on the podcast today is Zach Ryan. Here I am. Over here. And Pear Schneider. Hello. 
Hey guys. And um, before we begin with our main topics today, I did want to address a statement regarding current events that Nintendo shared on Wednesday. Um, and this is the statement. Nintendo shares the pain felt in the United States after the tragic death of George Floyd, and we stand with the Black community and all those who recognize our shared humanity and fundamental belief in equity and justice. We reject bias, exclusion, oppression, and the violence that leads to these completely unnecessary deaths. We are committed to fostering equity, inclusion, and diversity in all aspects of our business and the work we do. We also saw in a now deleted tweet because Nintendo doesn't like using charity as a form of free press that Nintendo is actually doubly double matching its employees donations. Uh, Pear? Yeah, and IGN published a statement condemning racism as well. And we um, uh, were taking steps internally and have a couple of uh, ideas on how we can help and, uh, you know, how we can take action, for example, creating a freelance fund for people of color, um, specifically at IGN and also at our parent company, Ziff Davis. Um, but we also wanted to recommend some charitable organizations that um, you know, that I think people should donate to. You know, we first suggest supporting the N. W, uh, NAACP uh, Legal Defense Fund, a uh, legal organization dedicated to fighting for racial injustice and long-term sustainable change. Um, but obviously not everybody has money to spare, though. Times times are tough. And, you know, with uh, people sheltering at home, obviously a, a lot of people um, have also lost their jobs. So there's some other ways to help out. Um, in the uh, article accompanying NVC, we'll have a couple of videos uh, on YouTube. Um, that uh, you can watch and uh, they are donating all ad revenue to organizations that support Black Lives Matter. So um, look for those links in the descriptions and help out that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I also just wanted to ask uh, Zach, Odell and Pear, are there any other organizations you've donated to or recommend donating to for our audience? Uh, yeah, I've donated to, to a bunch of different uh, bail relief funds uh, around the country. Like I've donated to a bunch of different bail relief funds in major cities. Uh, I think protesting is super important. And I think it's crazy that people are out there getting arrested for peaceful protests. Um, so that's really important to me. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's where a lot of my money has gone outside of the initial donation to Black Lives Matter Foundation. But. Yeah, I focused on the on the legal defense and educational fund, you know, the WACP, um, because you know, I mean, you you can see, you you can see the injustice isn't just in everyday lives and on the streets, but also can continue to the courts. And you know, the, there's a big focus on helping people who don't have the means to defend themselves, but also um, money goes to education, uh, which is super important as well. Yeah, the echo as Zach said. Here in Houston, I was donating to the local Houston fund to help bail people out and to also echo what Paris said, any legal organization is great because some people, after they get bailed out, the you know, the battle's not over. They still have to go to court and then, you know, the fees and the lawyers, they can really drain you in an instant. Yeah, even even if you are even if you get out of something, there's still fees that can follow you around, right? It's a uh being innocent can be costly. And I thought um, um... Oh yes, Zach. I I said this uh, I said this in a, a meeting earlier today, but I, I wanted to bring it up here because I know we're we're talking about something that is very topical, and people are going to come to us, you know, maybe listening to this show and say like, it, why after saying that you're an apolitical uh, website for so long, like why are you bringing this into podcasts? Why are you bringing this into content? Uh, this isn't a political conversation. This is about good versus evil, and if you feel like you are. Uh, getting upset over this kind of conversation uh, happening in any form, any podcast, anywhere on the internet, anywhere in the world, um, maybe take some time to reevaluate because this is an important conversation that needs to happen everywhere, period. And I know that we will be collecting links for like educational pages uh, to read up and things like that on IGN social media in the future. So we'll probably find a link to post to that as well. And I just wanted to finish it off that I think that having the option to just watch the YouTube videos to produce ad revenue is a great way to give back, especially as Pear said, a lot of people have lost their jobs right now. So it's not, it's not a really good time for that, but you can just watch these videos. And there are um, recommendations in the comments of these videos on how to watch these and not be counted as spam. There are a couple of things you need to do. Like after watching the video, you have to go and watch a couple of other videos first, and they can't all be the same videos before you come back to the fundraiser video. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Just watch that... a couple of episodes of NBC, you know, get a couple of NBC yeah, episodes in the rotation, then go back, raise some more money. Everybody pitch in. You could do it. And uh, I just want to say real quick, people, you know, the thing I always tell people is, you know, things didn't just get this bad. Things had to lead up to this. And when you deny hearing the stories, you hear people out, hearing the reasons why we led this far, got this far, you're just going to enable it to keep happening. Because, you know, the lack of listening, the lack of people caring is what led to this. And you've continued to say, I don't want to listen. I don't want to care. This is stupid. Or you're just adding more fuel to the fire than you think. So take a pause. Educate yourself. Thanks, yep. Adele. Now on to our regularly, ske- regularly scheduled programming, including the Pokemon expansion. And guys, there is so much Pokemon news out this week. It's kind of incredible. So it's perfect timing to have Odell on to help me talk about Pokemon. Zach and Pear, I know you are just as excited as we are to talk about, for example, Galarian Slowbro with the uh, poison cannon on his arm. I mean, who is couldn't be excited about that? But, uh, <laughs> I got a lot of opinions. Gun conversation. People want Pokemon gun, and I'm just like, oh, I guess we got it. it, Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Now now is not the time for Pokemon gun. All right, I'm just gonna put that out there. (laughs) So for you, for those of you who might be unaware, the expansion pass trailer was released this week, including new details, and it finally revealed the launch date of the Isle of Armor DLC. It's coming June 17th. The Crown Tundra is still TBD later this fall, but we did get to see some new stuff like the Galarian Slowbro. We learned some more about the legendary form, legendary, legendary form, the Galarian form, legendary birds, the new Regis, or some like to say Regis. Uh, we can talk about that later. And some other things. Odell, what was your favorite thing or thing that you were most excited that we saw from this trailer, new information? Um, honestly, the new wild area. I'm not. I was a fan of the initial wild area, but it was very, I want to say, uh, very stagnant. You know, like you mm-hmm. saw building stuff. This is like genuinely like a wild area full of life, different regions. You know, you see waterfalls, lakes, and it's all connecting. And they said something. You know, it was like double the size of the original one. So I'm just like, man, I'm, that was my favorite part. And um, honestly. This, the people don't talk about this. There are actually psychic people in Pokemon, and no one ever talks about that. Like, that trips me out. People have psychic powers in this game, and like, they and talk to ghosts. It's yeah. weird. It is super I weird. Like, I mean, I like that you guys are cool with a ghost Pokemon, but the moment Pokemon, but the moment somebody <laughs> talks to them, it's weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, ghost Pokemon are different from actual ghosts. I mean, you guys oh have seen. God seen the pokemon episodes with like actual psychics and ghosts sabrina could have killed ash and his friends they could have died (laughs) do you guys watch uh, what we do in the shadows the vampire tv show yes i haven't seen it yet there's an episode where there's a there's a ghost and Mm -hmm. one of the vampires is like it's preposterous (laughs) you guys sound exactly (laughs) like that Well, but now, I mean, did you not see the episode of Maiden's Pink when Ghastly was fusing Pokemon together and turning people into clocks? That was crazy. I, ah. I know, I know, Zach loves that one. I must have missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find the um, information on the, the legendary birds and such, but we did finally get some more details about that and the new Reggies. And this is from Serapy.net. Um, we have Reggie Alecki again. I don't know how to pronounce this. Odell and I had, oh my gosh, it's 97 degrees. Where's Paris so right now? I'm so sorry. You got to get that Flareon out of your house. It's just yeah. heating things up too much. Yeah. She's not doing so well either. <laughs> and um, again, please forgive me for my pronunciation of these Pokemon names. They're made up words. I have not seen an anime with them pronounce them yet. So I'm going to go with Regieleki. <laughs> the electric type the new ability transistor it also has the new move thunder cage which deals damage and traps them in an electrified cage for four to five turns and there's reggie drago which is a dragon type with the new ability dragon small and the move dragon energy which does more damage the higher the hp how do these pokemon sound to you anybody excited about extremely a overpowered yeah and it's gonna make you know i have a problem with the pokemon company because they'll introduce pokemon like this and they'll be like they're legal to use at tournaments. So I'm like, how? They break the game. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm interested in, you know, the extended lore of the Regis. Mm-hmm. Because I always thought that was one of the better parts when they were first introduced of how you had to unlock them using Braille and, like, not moving and all that. So I'm hoping they bring back similar mechanics that involves, like, this decoding mechanic where you have to figure out the riddles, how to unlock them. 
Yeah. And they look cool. I, would, I heard people say they don't like them, but I like them. I think they're cool too. I would love for puzzles to be reincorporated into Pokemon. Like we had the, those unknown puzzles too, to unlock cool things. I want things like that. Uh, I'm trying to find, I can't find it. I had, I had another page open with the information for the legendary birds and now it's gone. So just know that there's Galarian form, legendary birds of Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno, and they are different types. I don't know. Moltres is a flying dark type. I think Zapdos is flying fighting. Articuno is flying psychic. I think I remembered that correctly. <laughs> yes, so. I believe you are correct. I like how Zapdos looks like a roadrunner. I don't know why, but it looks cool. And the fact that it can't fly anymore is kind of weird because in the trailer, it's battling the other three. And it's like, I'm just going to jump really high and like walk at you. He's like Batman now. It's like, you have to bring the battle to the street. Yeah, it hmm. looks like we have uh, cutscenes as well in this in this, I mean, we assumed we'd get cutscenes, but I'm cool with cutscenes with more legendary Pokemon, and I'm interested in them. Um, so yeah, uh, go check out that expansion pass trailer for yourself and all the new details. They also showed a bunch of returning Pokemon as well, like we anticipated, and we will have a list of that on our wikis on IGN.com sometime this week. So go check that out, um, uh, guys. Uh, pairs. I'm that, how, yeah. how many how many hours did you guys put into Pokemon Odell? Um, I'm currently at about. 500 plus. <gasps> That's a I, nice wait, hold on. People are like at a thousand in Animal Crossing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that game's been off for like what, two months? Yeah. No, you're right. You're totally right. But you're putting me to shame right now because I only have 110. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nothing. 110 hours? Like, up. I'm a pleb. Like, it's Monster Hunter's fault. Don't blame me. Yeah. Well, Dale, I, I know you wrote a bunch of uh, strategy guides for us. Did you ever do a Pokemon one? A Pokemon you one know, I never have. You didn't, I've right? never yeah. did a Pokemon strategy guide. I, I wrote our Pokemon red and blue guide. Really? Uh-huh. Or yellow. It may have been yellow, actually. Oh, Pear. man. It, does that still no. exist? Is it somewhere on the site? Still yeah. there. Can yeah. I go critique it and be like, oh, IGN, more like IG don't. It's, oh, it's no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible don't look at it don't look at it or do i i think i actually did look at it to make it like make sure it was everything was in order for when pokemon yellow came out on the 3ds so mm -hmm. i i looked at it i don't remember what i did to it but i did something to it <laughs> out of curiosity while you're writing it where you just like i don't know you get you get this dogomon and you dig and no, oh, I was I was I was totally into it, but um it, it was it was super daunting. Like the when I started writing the guide, I was like, Oh, why why did I do this? I, mm -hmm. I think I I worked on it for months afterwards too. Just the creating the Pokedex alone was yeah. uh, was fun. Oh, yeah, man. those Pokemon wikis are a thing. They always mm -hmm. take months of work after they have come out. I'm super grateful for our freelancers, Michael Koswara and Clayton Petrus, and of course, our my own coworker Janet Garcia for helping me with that. And it was it was an okay time this time. We did it. But uh, guys, do you know that there is even more Pokemon news this week? There is more than just the trailer. I know. So I this is something. <laughs> this is something I actually missed by Zach. Peace. I'll bring you back in in a few minutes. Um, but. I missed this last week, but there are Pokemon mystery gifts. They're just giving out Pokemon for free for through mystery gifts. So as long as you can connect to the internet, you can get free Pokemon. Last week was Galarian for Mr. Mime. Sorry, uh, we're too late for that. I hope you, those of you who still play Pokemon, were up on that news and got it because I missed it. <sighs> I'm awful. But there's another, there are a few more Pokemon that you can still get. And this one is only available until June 4th. So hopefully you are listening to the show on the day of its release or else you have missed it. Galarian Ponyta, Hidden Ability Anticipation, is along with some other uh, items. Um, I don't, Odell, I don't think this is actually the best form of Galarian Ponyta to use, like having one with anticipation. No, not 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 at all. You know, I've always thought it was weird when Pokemon get the hidden ability, and it's a highly available ability, and doesn't actually help the Pokemon out at all. Yeah. So I, in anticipate, yeah, anticipation. It just it will your Pokemon will shudder if there's a a move that if your opponent has a move that's super effective against it. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, it's not. I assume they always do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, the next two though. 
are something special because um, starting on June 5th, you can get Galarian Corsola with a hidden ability, Cursed Body. And Galarian Corsola is super hard to get, and its hidden ability is amazing. This thing is a powerhouse. Uh, Odell, why don't you tell us why? (laughs) All right, so Cursed Body, hidden ability, Corsola is amazing. When you get hit by a physical attack, it has a what I believe a thirty percent chance of causing that attack no longer be useful. And if you give your Galarian Corsola evil light, it becomes a defensive monster. So if someone has an attack that can actually hurt it, they'll lose the ability to use that attack. I have literally had people force quit on me <laughs> online <laughs> because I walled them with Galarian Corsola, and they were just like, "I'm I'm I'm not even gonna deal with this." They still had a full team left, and they just quit. If you back. want to get into competitive battling and you're not that good, literally look up a guide on Hidden Ability Galarian Corsola. Just do what the guide says. I'm not saying, you know, you'll win uncontrollably, but you will definitely stop people who are not prepared. Yeah. And now you're monster. being and now you're being handed one and you can change its stats to your will with uh with items and you can change its nature with mints. So you're fine. And starting on June 12th, you can get Galarian Meowth with its, with its hidden ability, Unnerve. I, I don't think anyone would actually use Galarian Mouth in competitive battling, so we can just skip over that. But uh, hey guys, there is more. Zach is still just not here. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. We'll get out of the weeds a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm distracted. My poor dog is panting. It's so hot in here. You need Hold to on, let me open the door. Pokeball. Now, Odell is in Texas where there's air conditioning in every building. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like a pair must have air conditioning in his house. No, I just, they don't. There are a lot of houses up here were not built with that. Turn that AC on for that pooch, my friend. Like, how yeah. much, like, is it even practical for y'all to get ACs up there? I've um, seen a lot of, like, I've seen a lot of, like, built-in units, or, or not built-in units, but, like, portable AC units, you know, yeah. like, making the rounds during the summertime. But, yeah. <sighs> Coming through. I, I honestly, I only complain about the the temperature in the Bay Area where I live, like, I don't know, maybe two weeks out of the year. So, yeah, eh. it gets really hot up here in in Marin. It does get over 100 degrees in the summer, but it's just, uh, I don't know, like uh, there, a lot of the houses here were built in the 60s and they just didn't plan it in. And the floor plan on my house is really convoluted. I don't, I don't know how we would add it now, except for like one, you could do it on a room by room basis maybe wait no so forced air we had carpeting rip. and no ac it used to have shag carpets you <laughs> rip those out but it has floor it has like floorboard like water heaters like so there's oh. no forced air or anything yeah oh hmm like, so yeah, a, enough about weather and enough, enough about the weather but you know what else is real hot hidden ability score bunny <laughs> which you will be able to get along with the other hidden ability starters sobble and grookey through pokemon home if you have deposited a pokemon from sword and shield um these are really cool pokemon and specifically hidden ability score bunny i've been super excited for because this thing is overpowered as hell i feel like you tricked us just now like zach came back because (laughs) he thought the coast was clear coast is not clear tell us tell us about hidden ability score bunny and then we'll get out of the weeds i promise <laughs> okay so if you remember hidden ability greninja with protein it's the same and thing i it's just do you you do of course you do zach yeah. and you remember how when you use your hidden ability uh greninja whenever you use the attack it changed its type to that attack so it's automatically super effective and it had the defensive plus of changing it. Duh. duh. Yeah, so of course. With Score Bunny. But Score so Bunny like, has so many more like better moves than Greninja. Actually, I'm get... not sure, but it's, it's going to be a beast. Just, yeah. I'm going to run like Powerball, High Jump Kick, maybe yeah. Bounce. Maybe. I think maybe Flying bounce. is a really good move to have that counters a lot of other Pokemon in the meta. So it, it gets the same type of attack bonus for anything. So it's all of its damaging moves will do one and a half times more damage. It's awesome. So anyway, go get that up, Pokemon Home. Um, but hey, guys, there's more. <laughs> you can't be serious. There's <laughs> more. Did you know that the fiscal year of 2019 and 2020 was the Pokemon Company's second best year? Is just behind the Pokemon Go launch year. And if you actually look at the um it's actually pretty crazy it's insane it is crazy and if you look at the the net profit like the chart of the pokemon company's net profit it like quadruples the year 
of Pokemon Go, and then it it stays super high, and it's all the way back up all, all over again. And um, I'm assuming just Pokemon Sword and Shield came out last year. Pokemon Go is still uh, people are still spending a lot of money on Pokemon Go, that and blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I this blew my mind too, especially considering the circumstances, but Pokemon Go spending reached 23 million in one week between March 9th and the 16th, and that's a nearly 70% increase over the normal weekly uh profits, and that was the week that a lot of people were stuck at home. So Yeah, well they had that really they had that really smart pivot, right? Like they mm-hmm. they made a really smart play where they basically re-engineered their game to be able to play from home, and I think like even just putting that out into the world like Hey, don't worry if you're in lockdown, like you can still catch these mons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it actually energized a lot of people that weren't playing, be like, oh, this is a great way to kill some time while I'm sitting in my house for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, yeah. it was incredibly smart and it looks like it paid off. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Go is always my, you know, I do a lot of presentations to, you know, potential clients and people in the industry about, you know, trends in gaming, where we're going. And Pokemon Go is always my go to example for, um, just audience interest. Like if you look at Google Trends information, when Pokemon Go launches, it is, uh, it's the biggest Twinkie you can imagine. It's just like the spike in activity and searches uh, around the topic, like dwarfs everything. It's like a year's worth of Star Wars searches in mm-hmm. like two days. And so we've we've seen another small spike again popping up during that time. Not And, and small being a big spike, but like not as big as the launch spike. That That franchise is just on fire. It'll keep on going. Fair, uh, what you're trying to say is we all live in a Pokemon world. That's right. I'm sorry. Thank you. you- Thank you. <laughs> Fair, I, I love I love a Ghostbusters <laughs> reference. Thank you for that. Good looking yeah, out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And last piece of Pokemon news for this week. A Pokemon board game based on the trading card game is coming out on July 31st. It's called Pokemon Trading Card Battle Academy and it's meant to teach people how to play the Pokemon trading card game. And it could be a fun thing to do with your kids if you're still stuck at home. And by that point, oh god, I really hope we're not. Uh, Speaking of Pokemon board... (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Honest question, is it a a card game technically a board game? No, it's a tabletop game. That's a tabletop game. But is it then a board game if you play it on a board? I'm sorry. Sure. Sure. But it's a board game to treat you, to teach you how to play the card game. Yeah. I'm not sure how it will work, but I think it's cool. You need a a board, not just a game mat to Mm -hmm. be a board game. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. I I learned how to play the Pokemon trading card game through the video game on the Game Boy. Um, So... Uh. This is a cool, cool new way people might learn how to yep. play the Pokemon trading card game, um, which has much better uh, monetary rewards if you want to get into competitive Pokemon than the video game series does. Cool money. Are you, are you, are you guys getting wind noise on my mic, by the way, or is it okay? Oh, it's okay, cool. Oh, it's fun. I opened the door cool interaction, though. I know yeah, the, the last is, remaining yeah. four hairs are animated now. <laughs> all right, so that is all the Pokemon news we have for this week. Now let's move on to some small news stories, and this first small news story is about Pokemon. <laughs> you, you guessed it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not. It's not. But I do wish we had Brian here to talk about this because Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles for the Nintendo Switch finally has finally a release, release date. date. Mm-hmm. August 27th and Brian and I made a conversation about this when this was first announced like two years ago and it's finally coming um, it's going to have crossplay support across all platforms there are new dungeons and local co-op is to be enabled that's Stoked. super cool this is like a really nice plus up version of a pretty fun game I think that uh, <laughs> underappreciated in its time Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles so I'm looking forward to and, diving back in this again, be- remaster oops no, this re- this Go remaster away. looks very very nice. Just looking at yeah. the the screenshots and stuff, yeah, it looks really good. Underappreciated in its time because people wanted a proper Final Fantasy uh, yeah. game on a on a Nintendo system again, right? And then also just the barrier to entry for for multiplayer, um, right? But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally gonna jump back in and play. That's it's nice to hear that it has crossplay as well. I think that'll be uh, mm-hmm. uh, that'll I, yeah. alleviate some of the uh, yeah. The yeah. difficulties that you were talking about, Pear. Was, was not expecting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm always excited about local co-op. So I'm excited for this. Yeah. Um, 
And also, just a PSA, the Animal Crossing New Horizons wedding season started on Monday. You can go to Harv's Island to participate. Uh, or have any of you guys checked that out? Yeah, and I've I done have. two already. Really? Tell us about it. Um, well, I wasn't going to do it, but then my friend told me, he was like, hey, he gives you heart crystals. I'm like, that's cool. You buy furniture with it. That's cool. You got to do it for like, you know, X amount of days. You get all the furniture you could possibly want. I was like, oh, right, cool. So then I do it. And she's like, here's 11. That's the max you can get. 11 furniture back, pieces? No, 11 heart crystals. Heart crystals, in which okay. you can buy furniture pieces with. But you have to get the, all the furniture pieces. You have to do it for like three weeks straight. Believer, like she gave me uh, nine. I think. How many? I think get? she gave me nine. Nine? Oh, yeah. Well, I got I ripped off. I'm sort of snazzy now. <laughs> I did well, it. Did you? Um, for sorry, sorry for your design, Odell. Did you do like what they suggested? They're like, make it all pink, make it all the furniture. You yeah, know, I just made everything from the pink, event. And then she was like, "Here's 11. My picture was trash though, but I guess because I just made everything pink, she was cool with it. That's all that matters. I'm going to make it like a rainy room. I'm going to make it a rainy room with garbage next. See what happens. That's, that's the secret. That's the secret hack in animal crossing is that like your design sensibilities don't really amount to very much in the grand scheme of things. Like you're, you can get to a five-star Island just by putting a bunch of random shit everywhere. Just like put a bunch of random stuff all over the place. And it's just, it's just the metric is how much stuff do you have? How much decoration total do you have on your Island? Not, how is it placed? Not does it aste- yeah. match aesthetically. It's just like, oh, am I wrong? Because I feel like that's a... no. You're right, but minus the clutter, right? Like you right. can't put you can't put a bunch of stuff on the ground. I did this thing where I had a swap meet, like blankets with things that people could take and leave, but yeah. that actually adds to the clutter because they're not placed objects; right. they're abandoned objects. Items and stuff yeah. Too, yeah, and then weeds and all of that stuff. But yeah, you're so, right. Like it's just the amount of stuff you put in there, the fences you build, and the hedges you build. Yeah. Friend, friend of the show, Andrew Goldfarb. Uh, he he built his island to look like Tsushima from Ghost of Tsushima, the game that he works for now. But uh, he was obsessively collecting uh, cherry blossoms during that event, so he could make all these like cherry blossom piles and use those to to line his like to basically be his walkway so it's just like all cherry blossoms mm-hmm. so for a long time on his island he just had these cherry blossom paths but he had a five-star island because he had so many of really? them placed strategically mm-hmm. yeah it was pretty wild they keep yeah. telling me i have too many trees and then i what? don't have enough trees so i just gave up <laughs> oh man well, remove the clutter it'll it'll work Mm-hmm. We have a full yeah. guide on how to get a five star island rating on IGN's Animal Crossing New Horizons wiki. There you Who go. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the more you know. The more you know. Every single I was, time. <laughs> I was slowing down a bit. Were you guys slowing down a bit on Animal Crossing? Oh, I, I haven't. I haven't played in weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I... go ahead. Odell. Yes and no because so I've been trying to collect bugs and fish, and you know everyone's like, "Oh, it's the end of March. It's the end of this." And I haven't caught a new fish in like literally weeks. And it just kind of pissed me off. Like I had to take a break from Animal Crossing because of that. <laughs> well, sharks are I, here now. Silly, but you can no, get sharks now travel. late at night, right? Yeah. Yeah. All you people out there, I don't time travel. I'll play it right. So I'm just suffering through. I want to see that yeah. as a I want to see that as a back of the box quote moving forward. I haven't caught a new fish in weeks. Odell Hartman. So that sounds great. Uh-huh. <laughs> So last bit of small news for the week, um, just a, a quick correction for last week. Borderlands Legendary Collection is available on the eShop. It just wasn't there when we looked at it before it was released. But there was a glitch preventing from all the titles being visible after purchasing. But that glitch has probably been fixed by the time that this show is airing. So don't go. worry about it. It's there on the eShop now. <laughs> Um, now let's move on to games out this week. And there are two big ones that I definitely wanted to highlight. Um, the first one we talked a bit about when the really long trailer came out, but Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics is out on the 5th for $40. And the reviews coming out about this game are actually pretty favorable. Have any of you guys mm-hmm. picked it up? No, but it's, it's pretty Oh yeah, funny. it's not out yet. But... It's not out, <laughs> out yet. You haven't, haven't picked it up, but uh, they're doing Nintendo of America Twitter account is doing like one game per day, basically, where they're just showing like B roll of like one game each day. You know, like today it's Mahjong, tomorrow it's Moncala, like all these games. And so it, it's really funny to see it kind of drip fed that way into your like social feeds where you're like, oh, okay, 
yeah, I could play some man call today. That would be good. Um, so it's definitely working. That marketing scheme is definitely working. And I also wanted to point out, no, no one in the world is as excited for this game as Tom Marks is excited for this game. <laughs> like every time this game comes up, Tom's like, oh yeah, I can't wait. Like, it's so funny. I think it's so funny that he's so I, jazzed for this game. I'm so I'm sad we're not in the him. office so we, can, we mm-hmm. couldn't, can't play together. Sad. I know. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. I'm 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 waiting for this one too. I I like these. I like well done mini game collections. You know, there mm-hmm. there a whole bunch of cheesy ones that came over the year out over the years on Nintendo platforms. But this looks good. It's got, yeah, it's got a cool I'm excited because it's overkill. I always feel like when you have like the game collections, you have like checkered chess, mahjong, some games you've never heard of, and then but like I'm like I want to play dominoes. I want to play blackjack. Mm-hmm. And then you have to buy like a separate, like the second version of that game that has like one more game you want to play. This has like all of them, just every game ever made worldwide, more or less. So I'm like, okay, thank you, thank. Just like, give me one with everything. Why, it's, why got so bowling, it's got bowling and tank combat and everything. You know? Yeah, and it even lets you. It has the same thing that um. So it has the same kind of system that DS Downplay had. Downplay D, the the DS download play. You guys remember that feature? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you share without. Yeah, where you can share. So this game has mm-hmm. that. So you can play with just one copy of the game with multiple switches, uh, which is really cool. I don't see a lot of other games doing. Um, and I think I might actually pick this one up because I it has the touchpad uh, com- uh, compatibility. So I think I can mm-hmm. actually use it without needing dexterity at the moment. So cool. I'm going to teach um, you how uh, teach people how to play dominoes because a lot of people think they know how to play dominoes. And then they start playing some weird chicken scratch or 42. And I'm like, well, that, that's, that's not dominoes. That's now I'm afraid that. I don't know how to play dominoes. That's like, I, I feel like dominoes, <laughs> dominoes is like one of those games where like, uh, kind of like Uno, where everybody thinks they know the rules to Uno. And then you sit down to play it and you're like, what house rules did you grow up on? That's not how you uh-huh. do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's a good point, Odell. You have to relearn every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is another game out this week called The Outer Worlds, which I'm sure everyone knows. I know, Zach, you were a huge fan of The Outer Worlds when it came out on the Xbox One and PS4 last year. And it's mm-hmm. finally coming out for Switch on the 5th for $60. Uh, Pear, I think you've been playing it. There we go. Mm-hmm. How does uh, it look? What I do love you think? That, I love that Pear is bringing receipts to the show every week. <laughs> Like every week he holds up his switch and he says, look, I've got it. It's here. I'm playing it. Like he wants you to know that he's like actually playing the games. I see it. The games in there that you've never heard of. Like I bought, what is that? There was like some weird sale where flow lines was five cents. So I bought that. So I've been, uh, I've been playing flow flow lines. lines. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Nobody knows. It's impossible to know. It's okay. It's a really simple puzzle game. Um, it's it's okay uh outer worlds is good outer worlds is good the the switch version as you can imagine uh as a port of a current gen game is has some challenges um if you're playing it docked on your tv screen it is very blurry it's it's similar to the witcher where you know like you lose a lot of the detail um i I played the game on xbox one before you lose a lot of the detail of this uh this open world and um not that Outer Worlds was the prettiest RPG. It's a little bit, you know, it's the makers of uh, Fallout New Vegas behind it. Um, those games are cool looking, but they, they're never technically that amazing. And, and mm-hmm. this game, even on the Xbox and the PlayStation and the PC was like that. Yeah. Um, it is, I would say, it's it's an impressive port in that it runs smoothly um, and it looks pretty good um, handheld. Like it looks, it looks good. The moment you dock it, even without having played the original, you can tell, you can tell this was ported, and it's struggling a bit just with the with the resolution, with the up resolution. Um, yeah, I think I think that the you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there in that the game has some really fantastic art design. There's some really great yeah. uh, like original kind of looks for a, a you know a space game, um, but. Yeah, even on the PlayStation 4 where I played it, you know, there's muddy textures and, you know, a limited color palette in places and things like that. Um, I, I will say that that this game, and I talked about it a little bit back uh, around Game of the Year time uh, on NVC because it was one of the top contenders. But, uh, you know, if you like Fallout, if you love Fallout 3, Fallout 4, this game is just Fallout except with a space backdrop. And uh, honestly, like, it's got... 
riding on par with New Vegas, where it's it's funny and thought provoking yeah. and clever. Uh, really, really dig this game. It was one of my favorites last year. So uh, I, I haven't played it yet on Switch, but I will also give it a thumbs up if you haven't had an opportunity to play it elsewhere. Yeah, it's it's similar to games like Elder Scrolls. Like if you have the opportunity to play it elsewhere, it is it is slightly better elsewhere, and and The Witcher as well. But um, uh, if you're into big open world RPGs, I I feel like you can't skip this one. It's, yeah. it's really funny, and like the art style is unique in that it's just way more colorful. If you remember mm-hmm. Fallout, you probably remember the color brown, right? And like this or gray. is. Yeah. This is yeah, very gray. And this one is just really kind of vibrant and like it's got areas that are just completely like I have like shocking pink and green colors and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's got a it's got a battle point. system. It's first person, but it's got a battle system that to me is kind of reminiscent of Mass Effect 2. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and uh there was one other point that I was gonna make about it, but uh it escapes me now. But yeah, I, I really I really love that game. Multi, uh, you know, when you have conversations with characters, you pick from different answers and they're really well written and you can be you can be uppity or you can play it straight. Um, And like a lot of the big open world kind of Bethesda games, like you can you can shoot an NPC who has an important quest for you. Like, it's all up to you. Like, um, it's yeah, I play it. Oh, uh, what I I was going to say is that it hits that nice sweet spot of it is an open world rpg but you can complete the main quest in like 25 hours it's like a mid it's like a mid-range rpg you know it's not this huge 100 hour rpg like it's yeah it's really uh it's got a great story and you can complete it in a a relatively timely manner speed run up where somebody completes it in 19 minutes it's oh my goodness (laughs) we have the developers reacting to it and they're like they couldn't believe it Mm-hmm. All right. So those were the games out this week. We we're just talking about Clubhouse Games, 51 Worldwide Classics, and The Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about games that we are currently playing besides the ones that we just talked about. And I wanted to take this time to talk about uh, Zach and Pear's impressions on Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition because uh, they've been playing it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get you sure. guys not in it yet? Um, I never played the original when it came out for the Wii because I'm going to be honest, it looked like trash. <laughs> i'm sorry like i gave me a lot i bought we day one i understood it was i'm, I'm gameplay over graphics but that was like no nah you mean literally I, visuals yeah visually okay. it was trash well i'm really glad that you played so i don't know i'm really glad i'm really glad that you said that that you put that out there odell because that will make my lukewarm criticism seem very uh you know less harsh i think so uh, yeah pair why don't we start with you why are you lukewarm on it i love it i honestly uh, love it um, uh, so uh, okay I, let's let's start this way let's start this way how how deep are you how much have you played I'm like ten hours in. So what okay is so we're about, the same, we're about yeah. the same we're about the same i'm i'm ten yeah. hours in and i'm in chapter six okay yeah um, i did basically whenever somebody gives me a side quest i do it okay so like, i will opposite. go monster hunting Thank you. So Casey. I'm 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 opposite of that. I've been doing mostly just mainlining the main story. There's been a okay. couple of instances where I've I've accidentally done a side quest and then gone back to like fulfill those. You know, like that. That's cool. I see. Okay. But yeah, I've mostly just been mainlining main quests. Um. Yeah. Um, I I played. I'm I'm trying to remember. I played a bit of the the original, but never really got that into it. I don't know why. Maybe I, I was just too busy or I wasn't in the frame of mind for an RPG like this. I'm really liking this. Um, mm. it, it you know Odell, you'll be happy to hear that it does look a lot better. And like honestly, mm-hmm. if you stack up Xenoblade to Outer Worlds, Xenoblade looks better because it was designed around the capabilities of the Switch, so mm-hmm. it does run smoothly they're they're cognizant of not going crazy with textures like it it it's a simple looking game but the world's actually really beautiful and it's mm-hmm. big and it's got lots of grass and lots of uh, you see the enemies on the map and all of that um it's a good looking game it's got better music now you know orchestrated you can choose the original score too um it suffers like i know Adele, you're going to talk a, l- a little bit about maybe final fantasy but like it suffers a little bit of that from that um, JRPG kind of writing where it isn't as slick as, you know, some of the more highly produced games that have come out since then, where like sometimes characters say something, you're like, well, that's, that's a, that's the wrong answer to that question. Right. Like it, it, it's not always that slick, but I feel like it's charming. I like the characters and I love the battle battle system. It's so yeah. cool. 
So, okay. So similarly, I think, I think the game itself is gorgeous. I think graphically it's really like really beautiful to look at. Um, I especially like the, the, the way that you could, the level of customization that you have to your character's aesthetics. Like you can change not only their armor, but then also like what that armor looks like outside. So like you can have the best armor equipped and then go through and then select a different cooler looking set of armor with the, the better armor's attributes, which I really love. And right now my characters look like stupid power Rangers. It's great. Um, (laughs) down to the weapons. Like if you have a favorite looking weapon, Mm -hmm. you can now upgrade to another one without losing the look of what of it which is really nice yeah super super cool uh visually great music uh some of the i think some of the themes are really goofy but i like that uh the battle system rips like it is such an awesome jrpg battle system like probably one of my favorite battle systems that i've seen in recent years like the the especially once you get further into it the the payoff the feeling that you get when you can line up your attacks correctly like oh i'm healing this person and then i'm going to knock down this enemy and then i'm going to backstab this enemy and then use a super attack on this guy like pulling that off seeing it all come together like it kind of reminds me of final fantasy 12 in the way that your characters are sort of automated doing their things and you can kind of work together to do that awesome um what 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 else uh the the game itself sort of reminds me of did you ever play skies of arcadia yeah i did okay so like a similar style jrpg vibe is like skies of arcadia it definitely feels like of a different time and it's because it's you know 10 plus years old at this point i think the things oh, gosh. that yeah I, I think i think the thing that that i'm lukewarm on is the story and the characters like really i i think I think the concept is really interesting. Like, I love the idea that it's this whole world on the back of these two giant, you know, creatures. That's very cool. But, like, I the characters in the story are just the JRPG 101 cliches. And maybe it's because I'm 10 hours in or whatever, and the story will open up. But, like, I oftentimes, while I'm playing, find find it difficult to recall, like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why are we going through this cave? Who is this guy that I should care about? Like, I, you know, I, I just think that they're, and it's, it's partly due to what Pear was saying. The writing is a little bit stilted. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just an RPG of a, of a different time. And I don't find myself like when I'm playing it. And I think this is the, the biggest point for me. Like when I'm playing it, I'm really enjoying it. Like when I'm sitting down and playing it, I'm like, this is great. I'm having a good time, but I don't find myself thinking about playing it in the way that I did uh, Dragon Quest XI, or uh, like you mentioned earlier, um, uh, the Outer Worlds, right? Like, it's not as thought-provoking as the Outer Worlds. It's not as charming as Dragon Quest XI. It's it's just sort of, it just sort of is, you know? And yep. that that's the thing for me is like, especially knowing that it's 80 to 100 hours to complete, uh, the story's going to have to get a lot, a lot better to, I think, draw me through to the end. And you know that's actually been a a point of entry that's keeping me from going into this game because everyone that when the game first came out, people were always like, "It's worth it. It gets like better." And I'm like, "A hundred hours is too long for it to be worth it in the end for me." But you're mm-hmm. saying if it's still fun after ten hours, if it's gonna be fun, that gives me hope because mm-hmm. I can't play a game and be like, "All right, it's cool for the first ten. It's okayish for the next fifty, sixty, and then it's amazing in the last 15. Mm-hmm. And that's a big entry fee for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, first of all, the game starts off with a strong battle system, and like you know, some RPGs can be really overwhelming. I actually think Chronicles Two was more overwhelming right off the bat than this I, one. It yeah, kind of eases you in more, and then um, it builds on it, like it expands. Right, you get something, you get a cool lineup of of attacks, and then you obviously you learn new ones, but it also introduces all new elements on how you fight against uh, machine enemies versus monsters and all that. Um, yeah, I. I I think, I mean, it's definitely holding my attention so far. And it's like one of those games where when I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about playing it. And honestly, mm. the only thing that stands in the way are games like Animal Crossing and Picross that are kind of like my daily check-ins, you know, where like, mm-hmm. ooh, catch some fireflies now. Uh, otherwise, I'd be playing just Xenoblade nonstop. Yeah, I, I, uh... yeah, I think that, that... I, I want to stick with it. I, I, I do think that, that given the amount of times I've heard, oh, the story is so amazing, you know, like, there is really a lot to love about the characters, etc. Like, I, I do think that it must reach those heights eventually. Um, yeah, I just, like, I, as of this this moment, 
I'm like, okay, I think, I think I'm like here on it, you know? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Well, thank you guys for telling <clears throat> my voice cracked. Uh, thank you guys for uh, talking about Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. And I did want to mention that it this game actually has sur finally surpassed Animal Crossing in sales on the UK charts last week, which is the first time Animal Crossing has been passed since its release. So mm -hmm. good job, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. It seems like people wanted this game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, oh, sorry, I, I know you want to move on, but I, I think that the switch is kind of lacking in like a lot of great jrpgs like traditional mm -hmm. jrpgs um to me dragon quest 11 s is still the one to beat but mm -hmm. this is like a really great uh opportunity for jrpg fans to sink into something like really deep and and long as well so cool um adele what are you playing so uh i'm playing pokemon home because i told myself before the expansion i'm going to complete the national decks of all 890 pokemon so I still have to go to work in the office. Unfortunately for me, we have not worked from home a day. I live in Texas. What? You know, yeah. state. I have old school bosses. They were like, miss work, work from home. <laughs> <laughs> but what is what is uh, what do you do that requires physical presence? Uh, I'm a marketing coordinator, so I make marketing materials and put together proposals on a laptop. Yeah. That I can take so a laptop home, Yeah. Okay. I mean, Pear, I, I I don't make the rules. Yeah. All right, let's not get also, Odell fired here. Okay, I was also once a marketing coordinator, and they said I had to come in the office every day in case I needed to mail something. So maybe it's... it's... I got... I, I, we're here. We're, we're here right now. None of them like video games. They, they, they're still like, you play the Mario? So I think we're good on that. Okay. I'm to hear wow. this. <laughs> but, so when so, you're home, what do you yeah, play? Yeah, so... <laughs> So uh, I've been playing Pokemon Home at work on my phone, trading the Pokemon up, and I finally got all 890. Woo, go me, Pokemon Master. Giving you an and applause. I, I mean, I guess we could applaud, but I'm yes. more concerned. No, applaud. It's I mean, I I I'm pretty sure people in the comments are going to be like, oh, I completed the National Dex like day two of Pokemon Home. <laughs> He's on NBC. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I finally did it's it. I'm proud of myself. Come on, man. Yeah. And you should going to work. Wait, yeah. Wait, hold on. I've yeah. been going a nine to five and did it. Well, you you yeah. had like all that free time. <laughs> Comic guy. And I've been playing Final Fantasy VII. And guess what, guys? I'm one trophy away from the platinum. Nice. nice. One. So, cool. so you're liking it then? Yeah, I like it. Like, I kind of told myself, I was like, I'm going to play through hard mode, which I've never done in a JRPG. And I was like, and once I get stuck and like I, you know, lose my religion through cursing, which I try not to do unless I'm playing Mario Kart, I tell God, I'm playing Mario Kart, God, you're gonna have to, you just got to deal with it. But <laughs> so I made it halfway through hard mode and then I beat hard mode and I was like, you know what? Let's go for this platinum. Let's do it. Wow. I got all I... nine dresses, which took like two and a half days of playing, but I did it. Yeah, that was hard. I'm... That was extremely I'm... difficult to figure it out. I'm liking it. It Final Fantasy is one of seven is one of those games where it the visuals kind of spoil you, and then when you go back to Switch and you play Outer Worlds or even Xenoblade, you're like, oh, it doesn't quite look the same. But uh, it's a, it's a very pretty game, especially the character animations and mm -hmm. uh, and, and and everything. Um, but I stopped playing it to play Xenoblade right now. So and now let's continue with Question Block, where we answer audio questions audience questions for our audio podcast this first question is from jamie penning and she or he says what defines a retro game is it a certain time frame a certain style of gaming would it be different from person to person yeah um, our friends hmm. over at uh, the retronauts podcast define anything uh, beyond 10 years old as retro gaming so they've done episodes on things you know as current as 2010 uh, and then, you know, working back from there. And I, I kind of feel, feel like that's, that's the same, right? Because if you've, been, if you've been playing a game for 10 years or if a game has been out for 10 years, that's a game that somebody played in their youth. And that means that it is retro. So, cool. Thank you for that concrete definition. I always think <laughs> to me personally, yeah, no, it's good. To me personally, retro means like probably before 32 slash 64 bit. Like when I, when I, just close my eyes and think of a retro game. It's always like a 2D or Mode 7 game or something older than that. Yeah, like, but have I have a hard time. Have you considered that's because you're old? 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right, Zach. I think it's partially because I don't want to feel old, uh-huh. and so somebody saying "Mist" is a retro game, I'm like ha, "Mist." Well, I mean, even you know, like we get a lot of people on uh, just IGN that are talking about like in the comments of our top 25 PlayStation 2 games that are like, "Oh, I played that game when I was like a little kid." It's like, yes. oh, Jesus. Casey does that to yeah. us, too. So. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then the philosophical. I was born in 1990, but... Me, too. Know, I, yeah, oh. uh, we're trying to 30 this year. Oh, God, don't remind <laughs> I'm so but, jealous yeah. you're going to get to experience flying cars. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, they say, you know, time is relative to, you know, a five-year-old, an 18-year-old is, like, super old and stuff. And I was like, no... In my, because in my, you know, stuck in my ways, you know, retro had to be like 2D and stuff. Until one day, I was talking to a kid, and it was like, "Oh, you play Mario? Yeah, like my first Mario game was Sunshine." And I'm like, "Hey, you play 64?" And they're like, "What's Mario 64?" And I'm like, <gasps> "Oh my god!" Like oh, no. to to him, nothing existed pre the GameCube. Like, not like it just that world never existed to him. And I was just mm-hmm. like, but. And I had to realize, to me, you know, Mario Sunshine was like, you know, third tier Mario Evolution. But to him, that was like the starting point. And oh gosh! It could ne- I could never get over that, like the look on his face when he was just like. And then I showed him sixty four, and he was like, "Oh, you know, that's like the original, right?" And I'm like, <laughs> "You have to use your hands. That's a baby's game." <laughs> no, I I had a little kid. I think it was when like Diamond and Pearl came out, and we asked him about. Pokemon, he's like, oh, that's an old game for losers. Wow. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, you know what? Was, you're not <laughs> maybe you're not <laughs> that kid was Zach. Zachary Ryan. Call of Duty. Gosh. Uh-huh. And uh, this next question is from Jay Fallen. And he says, since we aren't getting an E3 this year, how about we rem- reminisce on the E3s in the past? What is your favorite E3 moment of all time? Odell, uh, you look excited. <laughs> Oh, so my fa- my first E3 was in 2014. I didn't know what I was doing. I wrote for an Australian website. Uh, and I got in on that. They're like, hey, yeah, man, if you want to go, go. They're called Dusty Cartridge, so I went. And I remember asking people at gaming forums, like, how do you get into press conferences? And they were just like, oh, you have to, like, you know, be somebody. Like, not in a malicious way, but... Yeah. And so I was like, well, dang. So I stayed at one of the E3 sponsor hotels because I've never been to L.A. I've never been flown in a plane. And so when I was leaving my hotel that morning, I was like, I'll go explore since I can't do anything because I'm a lame. And the oh. Xbox bus was outside, and they were just like, oh, are you the last one? Because I had my badge on. They're like, well, hurry up and get on. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. So I get on the bus. I go to the Xbox press, and I'm like, have your invite ready. Somebody runs out and's like, yo, 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 we're behind schedule. Just just let them in. Just let them in. We're about to start. It's not enough seats. So there's like, they rush us in the theater, and I'm just like, cool. I'm leaving. I run to Michael Pactor, and he's like talking to somebody. I'm like, hey, you're Michael Pactor. I seen you on game trailers. Hi, I'm Odell. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome me. We're going to EA. Next thing I know, I'm at the EA press conference. I'm just like, okay. I leave EA, and they're like, Ubisoft has the shuttles, like, guys, sorry that EA went too long. Ubisoft sent shuttles to take up to the Ubisoft press conference. Long story short, I ended up going to the Sony one, and I was like, I don't have an invite. And then the girl security looked at me with all the swag from the other three and was just like, you look like you belong. And <laughs> that, <laughs> So, with zero credentials, zero experience first e3 ever went to all four press conferences so that is amazing that that will forever nice. be my favorite e3 memory that's pretty cool that's great mine is uh mine was the twilight princess trailer reveal which then spawned the reaction guys meme you know where we take took the picture the picture uh looking very very excited we staged the picture because we knew they were going to show the trailer for twilight princess which somebody had leaked to us and Ooh. we had already seen um and yeah, like just that moment of hearing, you know, the Conan, the Barbarian soundtrack kick in over the trailer, um, just like with Ocarina of Time, that that was worth it. Still remember that. If you if you watch videos of it uh, of the press conference, you have to watch the one with the audience reaction because it's so it's so pure, mm-hmm. it's so awesome. Yeah, people lose their minds in that video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. What about you, Zach? What's your favorite E three memory? Uh, my first E three was E three twenty fifteen. And uh, before the Nintendo press conference that year, uh, they they had the um, Super Mario Maker challenges, 
the the Nintendo World Championships were Super Mario Maker, and uh, it, just being in the IGN War Room, you know, my first day in LA for my first E3, and there was about seventy of us in this war room, all eating dinner and watching the the. I'm getting choked up talking about it. Watching oh. the uh, <laughs> watching the Super Mario Maker um, challenges, and everybody was just like losing, like just freaking out and like screaming and and you know looking around and seeing like uh, here's 70 people like me that just like love this so much and um, it was just like a really impactful moment for me. It was like really you know yeah I remember it. Really it. I remember yeah. it as well. That was a freaking awesome moment. Yeah, it was. It was like I, I felt like I was home, you know, for the oh. first time. It was like, yeah, oh. this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. So it was really great. So, yeah, my first E3 was actually as a basically a promotions assistant for GameSpot's booth, um, and that's actually where I met Jared Petty and Sam. But my well, after I was already working as a freelancer. But my favorite E3 moment was probably at my first E3 with IGN in 2017. And I'm sure everyone here knows I really like Monster Hunter. I mean, it's one of my favorite series. And Shadow of the Colossus, I know, but Shadow of the Colossus is also in my top 10 games as well. And it's been very meaningful to me. And my very first E3 with IGN, I got to go to the Sony press conference and um, they showed those two trailers back to back. They showed the Shadow of the Colossus remake um, trailer and then a brand new monster hunter and as soon as i saw the sword it was just a guy running in the forest with the monster hunters. i was like is this a new monster hunter game i was like i was tearing up a lot it was yeah. um i don't know just to have, be at my first e3 and have two things mean so much to me show up mm-hmm. was just amazing yeah it's super cool <laughs> pretty cool and i would like to have one more question before we run out of time do we have time I know we have news games Just and more. It. Just do it. All right. This one is from Nishin Rudrakumar. And they said, is Nintendo in their prime right now with the Switch? I can't remember a better three to four year stretch in the company's history where their quality of games was this good. Is this the part in Nintendo's history we'll remember the most fondly in 2030? Uh, I, I think they're getting close, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I fondly, obviously, recall the, uh, the the N64 days and how they were basically writing the playbook for how games are done in 3D uh, and how, you know, like, before that, obviously, Super NES days, how, how to pull off multiplayer. Um, but Breath of the Wild was so strong and so unexpectedly strong. And then they follow it up with like Mario Odyssey and then you get Animal Crossing. It just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Um, he, might, he might be right. It might be that prime. I think that this, this four-year stretch for Nintendo specifically, <clears throat> it's been really interesting because they've made franchises that were popular to like niche groups work in a major way, like think, sp- thinking specifically things like Fire Emblem, things like Luigi's Mansion, games that like people have traditionally like really loved, but in smaller like smaller fandoms and the the greater Nintendo fandom, but those are like blown up on like a global scale now, and I think that that's what's really interesting. Um, I I think personally that ninety one to ninety five that Super NES era is Nintendo at the at their very best like the things that they did there like in the same way that paris talking about 3d games like the things that they did with that super nes era of gaming is just like they set the groundwork for what all video games would be for the next 30 years in in that you know that short span Uh that's a good point i feel that this era probably is the best quote unquote but people never consider it though like zach said they'll either give it to the super nintendo era or me, I feel like, or don't give it to the N64, because I think back to N64 and the Game Boy Color. To me, that was Nintendo at its best, you know. I got my Game Boy Color on the go. I got my N64 at home. That There was never not a time where I didn't have a Nintendo game accessible to me. And I just think back to the camaraderie of the memories of the, that it trumps the SNES era because the four-player playing with friends and stuff, you know, you couldn't really you know, another person, but this was like slump, slumber parties just for 64, going to a friend's house just for 64, literally, like, lying to my mom saying, yeah, I'm at home, I just got off the bus, 
hanging up the phone, running to my friend's house. It's like, bro, she gets home at seven. Seven. Do not let me forget. Because the last time I forgot, it was bad. So, oh, no. <laughs> was it a whooping? <laughs> it was a whooping, yes. A classic, a classic Southern whooping coming down. <laughs> and so, and, and I just think, you know, maybe nostalgia plays a part in that. Maybe it's oversaturation of video games now because there's just so many other things. But in that era, it was just like Nintendo was unanimously king. Were, were they better than they are now? I don't know, but they were the best period in those times. Mm-hmm. So I, I also think it's I also think it's hard to know that you're experiencing the best when you're in it, right? Like the yeah. idea of, of hindsight being twenty twenty or like looking back on the Halcyon days is something that like I like I feel like I do that all the time where I look back on a time and I'm like, God, th- those days were really great. And then somebody will be like. You you just like you didn't really seem like you were very stoked in the moment, you know. Like I think it's yeah, it's it's interesting to look back on things with rose colored glasses. It's, right? it's such a crazy company in that you know they like if you remember the Wii age, maybe we don't recall it that fondly, uh, you know, we, because maybe we didn't we didn't love all the games that were published on it. But like the Wii brought gaming into the mainstream. It it was around the same time that you know. The App Store launched and, you know, mobile gaming took off. And we did the did a very similar thing in bringing in new players, but with traditional console gaming. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you count Pokemon Company as part of the whole Nintendo umbrella, like Pokemon Go was the biggest cultural moment in gaming. Like they, mm-hmm. there's just nothing like it. And so it is really hard to pick like one era where you can say they're, they're they have their strongest run. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see how the switch ends. You know, there might be some big stuff still to come. Oh, yeah. We'll have a yes, we'll have an and, yeah we'll have an, an MVC special in 2030 looking back to see which was the best decade <laughs> in Nintendo. So keep us accountable to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And that is about all the time we have left. Odell, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, as always, you can find me at Odell Harmon Jr. on all your favorite social media: Twitter, Twitch. Facebook, Instagram. I don't have a TikTok. Sorry, guys. I'm not there. <laughs> but, and I do have a weekly podcast. I'm going to every Wednesday. That's Full Circle Podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found. And if it's not there, then I, I don't know. Search Apple or Google. That You got one of those two. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun talking about Pokemon with you. And guys, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Nintendo this week. I had a lot of fun. And if you would like to submit your own questions to NBC, you can always email us at NBC at IGN.com or respond to our weekly question block post on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. And remember, this is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing. The biggest gaming event of the year is IGN's Summer of Gaming, and it's almost here. Tune into IGN throughout June to see the latest and greatest in game reveals, news, trailers, next-gen coverage, and more. We'll be kicking it off with our first-ever IGN Expo, where you'll get first looks at world premiere game trailers, exclusive game demos, and interviews you won't find anywhere else. IGN's Summer of Gaming, only on IGN and IGN One on your Samsung TV+. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.